Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Portable Pastor Podcast. My name is Mike Stafford. I am that Portable Pastor, and I want to bring you another teaching from God's Word. Today, we will be in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at the next parable that Jesus offered after deciding that he was going to teach only in parables in large group settings. So today, we're going to unpack that next parable. Now, some of us still have warm, fuzzy feelings about parables. We think of them as these really nice little stories where Jesus teaches truth using some kind of um, idyllic descriptions of sweet life, right? And as we learned from last week's parable, you know, we, we could be wrong if that's our only mental picture of, of what a parable is. Remember, parables are blessings to Christians in that they teach truth, but they're also judgments for unbelievers in that they often tell what will happen to those who refuse those truths. Well, such is the case for today's parable. Read along or, or follow along if you're driving. Just listen to where I'm going to start reading in verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to the master, Did you know did you not sow good seed in, in the field? How then how then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root uproot the, the wheat along with them. Let both grow until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is another perfect parable. It's perfect because it's reasonable. Some some people were, were fighting Jesus as he attempted to lead them to the Father and to grow his kingdom. He told them the truth in, in parable form, yet he knew that a lot of people would, would reject it. But it was reasonable. He was doing his job. It was also relatable. Everyone knew of farmers. Everyone knew of the employees of farmers, and their enemies would attempt to wreck their business just to increase their, their own profitability, right? So it was relatable. It was a regular situation. Everyone understood sowing and raising crops and how weeds affected that effort, and everyone knew that it was going to have a recognizable outcome. Jesus included that. Everyone understood that you might have to deal with opposition when you're when you're working your fields and you're you're making a living. So this was a Another perfect parable by by Jesus. Now, now let's hear his explanation. Look at verse 36 and following. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy has sowed them. Uh, he is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. In this explanation, there are there are ten, ten small points that Jesus made. There, there are ten explanations that Jesus gave his disciples about this parable. And I want to go through them with you very quickly, or at least sort of quickly. Right? Number one, Jesus is the sower. In, in one sense, Jesus came to sow the truth about himself. And, and what he planted, uh, what, what he planned on doing. According to Ephesians 1, Jesus devised this plan before the world was created. Now listen to it. In Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before, listen, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined, a lot of us don't like that word, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, the praise of his glorious grace, which with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Jesus had a part in planning for our salvation from the very beginning. He was a part of that. Then he showed up and he he told us what he would do and he executed that plan flawlessly. So he, he has sown the truth for centuries. He told the disciples and millions of others who have heard that truth of the gospel that he came to die for their salvation. Jesus is the great sower of salvific truth. The second thing he explained is the field is the entire world. Jesus instructed us in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations, all nations. The the pertinent phrase there is all nations. Some preachers wrongly preach that Jesus was speaking in this parable about the presence of wheat and weeds only in the church. And yes, both are in the church, but he's not talking about the church. Jesus was pretty straightforward here. He was speaking of the entire world. He he told his angels to let the weeds grow until the harvest. We we might be tempted to ask, well, well, why? Why are evil people, why, why are lost people allowed to live? Well, the short answer is Jesus the sower allows us allows us all to live. All lost people, all saved people to remain until the harvest. If Jesus was speaking about the church, he would have contradicted his own teaching in Matthew chapter 18. There he says that if someone in the church is living in sin and refuses to repent after being confronted by it, he's to be removed from the church. Paul echoes this in 1 Corinthians 5 about a sinner refusing to turn from sexual sin. Purge that evil person from among you. That's what he says. Unrepentant sinners who who refused to turn from their sin after repeatedly being warned were not allowed to remain a part of the local church. So Jesus had to be talking about the world, the church, because he allowed the wheat to remain in the field until the end with the weeds. So the field represents the entire world. Now next, notice that Jesus explained that the seeds are are the disciples of Jesus. So I told you in one sense, he was sharing the truth about salvation. In another sense, he's sowing the disciples around the world. 
Jesus told people that, that God sent him to draw all men to him, right? He did miracles to prove that he was the real deal, but he didn't stop there. He recruited help in that work. Remember the training of the disciples. Jesus sent them out in pairs, and, and they, they preached the good news to the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom is here on earth, is what they said. In fact, all believers are expected to carry out the will of Jesus. We're to complete his mission. This is why the Great Commission passage in 28 begins with, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. He says, go. Jesus desires the entire world, the whole world, to be sown with the good news about himself, the good gospel of salvation, and with his disciples. He uses his disciples to accomplish this. The seeds, the seeds are the disciples of Jesus, and, and they're planted everywhere on purpose, preaching this good news. Then Jesus explained that the weeds are people who seek to thwart that work. They want to thwart his work. I read a, a, an atlasobscura.com article about a wheat mimicker called Darnell. This is what the authors write about it. As long as humans have cultivated cereal grains, wheat's evil trend, evil twin has insinuated itself on the crops. In a, in a big enough dose, this grass, Darnell, will, will kill a person. And farmers have to take care to separate it out from their true harvest. Unless, unless they're planning to add Darnold to beer or to bread on purpose in order to get high, it's definitely not good for us. When people eat these seeds, they get dizzy, off balance, and nauseous. And its official name, El Timelitin, <laughs> I don't know how to say that, comes from a Latin word that means drunk. I know how to say that. Well, according to this article, Darnold depends on humans to propagate it. it. It will only come up when it's harvested and stored and planted the following year. And it tricks us into doing this because it is such a good mimicker, but it's a menace. It's an intoxicant. Someone once said, where there is Darnold, there's treachery and toxicity. <laughs> once you start looking, you're going to find this everywhere. It's been called eye blightening. One of the plant's effects is messing with a person's vision and their speech. In the Bible, something similar happens, and it appears in this parable. The enemy sneaks into a farmer's field and sows weeds among the good wheat. Here's the kicker. It shows up everywhere, and we can't get rid of it, and... It is messing with people's minds spiritually. The analogy, when mixed, the, when mixed with the gospel truth, a mimicker can confuse someone about the truth of the gospel. For example, the hearer can be confused if the lie that good works can save you is mixed in with the message of salvation by grace alone. If, if that lie that someone can lose salvation by sinning is mixed in with the gospel message, the person being saved can be duped into thinking that his salvation isn't permanent. This, this is what weedy people do. They seek to thwart the work of Jesus. Now, some, some are they're easy to spot. They're obvious. They're they're outgoing, arrogant atheists or agnostics, and and, and they're not so easy. There are some that are not so easy to spot too. They they, they can be pretty covert. They hide in churches and in Christian circles, contaminating the gospel message. They're working and wanting to cease the missional efforts of the church. And they're everywhere, working covertly and effectively thwarting the mission. These people are the weeds in this parable. But notice something that Jesus explains about these weeds. These weeds are sown by the devil. 
<laughs> That's hard to hear. No one wants to be confronted with the truth of being used by the devil, but the Bible's clear about this. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's what John wrote in 1 John. People everywhere are working for the devil, and they don't even know it. He's thrown his message worldwide using their arrogant words and, and their in-your-face post. And those are weedy people's uh, efforts to, to thwart the mission. And they're sown by the devil. That They get on their soapboxes and say things like, Jesus and religion are just made-up ideas to control people. Or God is an old, antiquated explanation about humanity, how humanity began, or, or why we're here. And they say things like, God loves us in our sins. You, you don't have to give that sin up. God is love. He will never condemn you. They tell others, you don't need the church. You can find God in a tree stand, on the lake, in numerous uh, uh, numerous vacations, and in months-long weekend sporting leagues. <laughs> you can find God there. These statements are being cast everywhere by people who don't even realize the devil's using them to stifle the efforts of the gospel, diminish the reflection of the glory of God. Here is, here is one of Satan's tactics. If he can sneak some mimicking seeds into the harvest field to confuse people about the truth of the gospel, maybe some won't come to salvation. Ooh, he's pulling strings everywhere, you guys. The weeds are being sown by the devil. Jesus explains something else, though, that the devil is his enemy. The devil is the enemy of Jesus. Some religions teach that the devil represents a necessary evil in the world that balances with the good. Both are equal and should coexist for the sake of harmony. That's what Paul Bunyan once called a big old pile of steaming buffalo pucky. Jesus, Jesus has enemies. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. I don't know why I said that. Jesus has enemies beyond people working against him. The devil is the sworn enemy of Jesus. Why? Well, remember, God said back in Genesis 6 that Jesus would crush the devil's head. Listen, a war is waging, a battle for the souls of mankind. Jesus wants us, and the devil doesn't want Jesus to have us. That makes Jesus a lover and a fighter. <laughs> and he said in the chapter before this, whoever is not with me is against me. That's in Matthew 12. The devil isn't interested in souls. A lot of people thinks that, think, think that he is. That he's going to rule over them in hell. He will never rule over people in hell. Sinners in hell are not his beloved minions. He doesn't value them. He, he just doesn't want Jesus to have them. He's going to suffer in hell like everyone else. This is why, this is why we can make sense out of the rest of that verse in 1 John. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is the enemy of, of, of Jesus. But notice that Jesus what he says next, the harvest happens at the end of the days. Now I need to spend a little. I need to spend a little time on this one. Remember that that Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, and that audience differs from the church audience that now reads this parable. Remember that what what we learned last year when we hit on that topic of dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is really just a system, a method to organize the scriptures through time. It's used by many who, who see God working through different periods. They say there's seven periods of human existence that, that they relate to God in different ways. Again, it's, it's not a doctrine, at least not originally. Some people have tried to make it into that. It's not a doctrine. It's an interpretational system distinguishing between church age and Jewish saints. 
The church isn't the new Israel. Israel did not morph into uh, the church. There's still two distinct groups. And so the church age saints will be removed at the rapture before Jesus turns his attention again to the Jews. And after the rapture, he's going to pour out wrath on the unbelieving world during a seven-year tribulation as described in Revelation. Meanwhile, thousands of Jews, millions of people everywhere will be saved and consequently martyred. They will be killed by the Antichrist for coming to faith during that tribulation. All the while, we church saints, we're going to be in heaven attending the marriage supper of the Lamb and being rewarded at the beam of seat of Christ in that place that Jesus said he was going to prepare for us. The church will already have been harvested at the rapture. The harvest that Jesus is speaking of in this parable is the second one. It's the second one that happens at the end of the tribulation. Every living being on earth will be gathered and he will separate the sheep from the goats. And he will destroy the ones who were against him. And he'll usher those trusted who, who trusted in him for salvation into a millennial kingdom where the church age saints who returned with him from heaven will rule. He, don't, don't, don't be confused. The second harvest is the one that happens at the end of the tribulation. Then Jesus explains that the angels are going to do this harvesting. Jesus will send out his angels to do this work. He spoke about this in his uh, famous Olivet Discourse back in, in Matthew 24 and over in, in Luke 17. Listen, listen, to what, listen to what he says in that discourse, uh, at least according to Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the, the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Oh, the passage describes the second harvest. And the angels are going to do that harvest work. What will they, what, what will they do with the harvest? Well, the enemies of Jesus are going to go to hell. The weeds will go into a fiery furnace, Jesus says, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That description of hell is a lot is, is what a lot of preachers ignore. It's not fun teaching. The truth is there is a place where those who turned their backs on God, who ignored his signs, who rejected his offer of salvation, there's a place that they will be condemned to exist in for all eternity. And it is a place called hell. It is an eternal state of separation from God, from everything that is good. Remember what the brother of Jesus wrote in James chapter 1? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. God In God is good. Everything good comes from God. God will separate himself from evildoers once and for all, completely. No more common grace. No more rain that falls on the just and the unjust. No more uh, the existence of anything good for that group of people. He will separate himself from them completely. Everything good will be kept from them forever. The Bible describes this condition as a fire that never stops burning. It's a place of torment and anger. The gnashing of teeth is a phrase that describes anger. There will only be the existence characterized by anger and torment in total darkness in hell. Understand, that this, this won't be a system or a hierarchy where the devil is king. There, that's a very common misconception. The devil will not be laughing with his closest followers and tormenting others. He will be in torment too. 
This is a place where weeds are burned forever. Now, in contrast, Jesus also said that righteous people will go into the kingdom of God. This will include every living Christian Christian, and, and those who return to the earth with him who were given glorified bodies at the rapture. And upon death, during the tribulation, all of these folks will be gathered there. Everyone else will be destroyed. Remember, Jesus does the harvesting at the rapture of the church age saints. Both the living and dead Christians will be gathered to him in that moment in the twinkling of an eye. But at this moment, the angels will do the post-tribulation harvesting and all people, all living, remaining people on earth will be gathered and separated. Jesus said that the righteous group will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. People who have received the righteousness of Christ will live in the presence of God and in his kingdom and reflect his glory. Righteous people go into the kingdom of God. That's a that's a packed parable, huh? It is, it's kind of a scary one to boot. But here, here's the main points of the parable, right? Number one, every, every person on earth is a wheat or a weed. Is wheat or a weed? Everyone is wheat or a weed. Which one are you? Seriously, are you are you wheat or are you a weed? Are you for Christ or are you an enemy of Christ? Remember, there's no innocent bystanders. He said, you're either for me or against me. Which one are you? Every person on earth is wheat or a weed. But secondly, the second point is wheat will be saved and wheat will be burned. If you believe in Jesus, you have yielded to his authority, you are living for his glory, you're wheat, you are saved, you are sealed for the destiny that I described a few minutes ago that, that Jesus described 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit has you. The promise of Christ will come true for you. You will be raptured when Jesus, to come, when Jesus comes to get his bride, and you will be given a, a new body, immune to temptations for sin, absent from any disease and decay associated with your formal body, your former body. We wheat people, we will be taken to a place prepared for us that Jesus promised in John chapter 14. And we will return with Christ when, when he destroys his enemies and ushers us, the raptured church, along with the living age uh, tribulation saints and those who were martyred for their faith during that seven-year tribulation, as well as thousands of Jews who were saved during the tribulation. He'll, he'll allow all of us to come into the kingdom of his son where we will shine like, like the sun, reflecting the glory of the Father. Is that your destiny? Do you know for sure? Or are you a weed? You, you don't belong to Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. You've not yielded his authority. You're not living for his glory. You're living for sin and self. Whatever can be gained from this world is what you're chasing. And it's obvious, isn't it? If that's you, you're kind of miserable inside. The anxiety that you're experiencing in your gut, even right now, is caused by the Holy Spirit and it's intended to draw you to Christ for salvation. If you do not turn from your sin and place your trust in Christ for salvation, that pain is going to increase in a sinner's hell where the fire isn't quenched and, and anger and torment abound. You need to be saved, you big old weed. Look, I'm not talking down to you. How could I? I was a weed. I was the biggest. I was Darnell in the church. I could pretend to belong to Christ like the best of them. And Jesus had something and someone to come and sow the seed of the gospel in my life. I was saved and went from deserving the penalty of pretending to be, be from being weak to receiving the blessings of God. 
if if God can do that for me, he certainly can do that for you. Come on. Come on, weed. Pretending. Be saved today. Please, God's being merciful with you. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to avoid the eternity in hell. Surrender your will to him today. Pray with me. God, I want that. Please forgive my sin and seal me for eternity. I want heaven. I want a relationship with you. I'll live for your glory. I'll live under your authority. God, just save me, please. And I'm asking this in the name of your son, who I believe is your son, who I know died on a cross for me, who I know and believe raised from that grave three days later. I believe in him and I'm committing to living out the mission for him. Just save me, God, please. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me let me encourage you today. If you prayed that with me, then you meant it. And the fruits of the Spirit are, are, are starting to grow in you. Now, be patient. You know, over time, you're going to begin to exhibit Christ-like love. Well, what's the Bible say? Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Well, be patient. It takes time for, to, for fruit to grow, even fruit of the Spirit. But in the meantime... Let, let us help you. Let us pour into you. Please, please email me at mike at fbcclover.com. And I, I want to start this journey with you. And I want to praise God for saving you. So let me know. And I'll pray for you from now on. From now on until our rapture or we die, whichever one comes first. I want to walk through this life with you. You will not be alone. We you won't be alone. Let's do this together. Well, consider... Consider doing that today, Mike at fbcclover.com, and I'll be glad to start an online conversation with you. Well, let me pray for you, and I'm going to cut you loose, but we're going to come back next week with another parable. God, I ask that you would bless every person listening to know their place in you and to have a blessed hope for your return at this second harvest. And that blessed hope is, is absolutely your son, a relationship with your son that ends with eternal blessings in you. We have a blessed hope. God, let everyone listening grab a hold of that today and bless them. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a good day and a good week. Come back next week. I have another teaching from God's word. But remember, and I say this every week, but it's still so true. If you're walking step for step, step by step with God, you're chasing after him. He is very much pro you. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed and remember, God is pro-you.